Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Those are the first four verses of Psalm 41, which along with Psalm 52 are the psalms appointed for today, Monday, May the 9th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We're um, moving out of Daniel now and into um, the a book called Ecclesiasticus in some ways. Other ways it's called Wisdom, and it, it's presumed to be uh, written by Solomon, the same author of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiasticus is in the Apocrypha, which are a group of books that are between the Old Testament and the New Testament that are used in the Roman Catholic Church in different ways. The Roman Catholics, the uh, Jewish people, the Orthodox, and um, Anglicans use the um, the books of the Apocrypha but they're not read as though they were inspired word of God. But the church has recognized from the beginning that these books were books in which there were found things worth knowing and considering uh, in ways that separated them and elevated them from other random books. There are other books called the Pseudepigrapha. I'm getting ready to, uh, to re- release, actually, a series on this kind of literature. So when, for instance, the lessons are read— in an Anglican church, the way that you read the lesson, you know, you, you, you say at the end of it, you say the word of the Lord, and the response by the people is, thanks be to God. In When you read from the Apocrypha, which I don't particularly care to do, but I'm going to go ahead and use it this time around. Uh, when you read in church from one of these books, you end with the words, here endeth the lesson, and then you go on. You don't claim them to be the word of God. So just a heads up on that. So this one, I'm going to give you a little instruction as I read along because it makes this weird transition in the reading, and I want you to understand what that transition is. So it's the link is in the description. But ungodly men, by their words and deeds, summoned death. Considering him friend, they pined away, and they made a covenant with him because they are fit to belong to his party. For they reasoned unsoundly, saying to themselves, short and sorrowful is our life. And so essentially what, what you're getting here and what you're going to get with this whole passage, that, well, at least the first part of it, is the, the reasoning of ungodly men for saying basically, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And so there's no reason not to do anything. There was a radio show host here in uh, Asheville a few years ago, and and he's no longer on the air here. He has his own podcast. But um guy that I liked pretty well. I felt like he gave a pretty balanced view of, of uh, politics in North Carolina and in the world at large. And um, I heard him one time make a statement that he would never vote for an atheist because an atheist doesn't believe that there's ultimately a reckoning for their deeds, and so there's nothing to check them. He wasn't a Christian at the time. He is now. But at the time, he wasn't a Christian. But, but he, what he recognized was is that, that if there's not an ultimate reckoning for the way you live your life, then anything goes. And so that, that's kind of the, the tone and tenor of this, um, of, of the rest of this reading. Now, Jacob said the same thing when he came to Pharaoh in Genesis 47, 9. He said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of, of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days 
and years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. Jacob was a man who carried deep sorrow with him all his life, especially after his beloved wife Rachel died, and then also he thought that Joseph had been gone. He had gone through a lot of stuff. I mean, there's no question that he did. He had seasons of blessedness in his life, but a lot of what he what happened to him, he well, some at least, uh, yeah, a lot of what happened to him, he brought on himself. Now, those things worked themselves out, right? I mean, he cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright and his blessing from his father, and which caused him to be in exile up with his um, father-in-law, who would become his father-in-law. He was also his uncle, um, Laban, up in Aram. And then uh, he finally comes back. And, and so the good news is he, he meets Rachel while he's there. The bad news is, well, Laban tricks him into also marrying his daughter Leah first. Um, and so there, there are constant ups and downs in the life of Jacob, but God was always with him. From the beginning of his sojourning, um, he was always with him. And before that, God had promised that he would have all these things anyway, but Jacob decided not to trust and believe and wait on the Lord. And he took matters into his own hands. He and his mother both did. Uh, Rebecca uh, tricked her husband Isaac into blessing Jacob rather than Esau, um, neither of them particularly trusted the Lord. And so the difficulties in his life had everything in the world to do with not trusting the Lord. So anyway, so they they begin by saying, um, short and sorrowful is our life, and there's no remedy when a man comes to his end, and no one has been known to return from Hades. We know one who has. His name is Jesus. Because we were born by mere chance. In other words, they're denying their own creation. And there, hereafter, we shall be as though we had never been, because the breath in our nostrils is smoke, and reason is a spark kindled by the beating of our hearts. In other words, there, there's no—reason is just—there's there, no mental thing there. And, and it's a lot of what neuroscience kind of believes now, is that there's just electrical charges in the brain, and so the, that what we see, what we believe, are not accurate indicators of reality, if there is such a thing as reality, and conscience is an illusion— So that's the same thing. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, to quote Solomon again. Um, And and so this is what people believed back then. I mean, they were, quote, pre-scientific, but but when you listen to neuroscience today, when you listen to evolutionary biology today, these are exactly the same conclusions. As you can see why the world is as it is. When it's extinguished, the body will return to ashes and the spirit will dissolve like empty air. In other words, there's nothing... uh, eternal about you. Um, ashes to ashes, dust to dust is, is taken to its extreme philosophical limits in this philosophy. <clears throat> the spirit will dissolve like empty air. Our name will be forgotten in time and no one will remember our works. Our life will pass away like the traces of a cloud and be scattered like mist that's chased by the rays of the sun and overcome by its heat. For our allotted time is the passing of a shadow, and there's no return from our death because it's sealed up and no one turns back. Come, therefore, let us enjoy the good things that exist and make use of the creation to the full as in youth. Let us take our fill of costly wines and perfumes and let no flower of spring pass us by. Let no crown. Let us crown ourselves with rosebuds before they wither. Let none of us fail to share in our revelry everywhere. Let us leave signs of enjoyment, because this is our portion and this is our lot. Let us oppress the righteous poor man. Let us not spare the widow nor regard the gray hairs of the aged, but let our might be our law of right, for what is weak proves itself to be useless. I mean, if you want uh, a more... uh, 
21st century evolutionary biology scientific explanation for, or, or justification, actually, for why to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, there you have it. The only thing that I would take issue with that is not in the, the scientific world today, worldview today is this, let's not oppress the righteous men, nor spare the widow, nor regard the gray hairs of the aged. Now, at some level, some of that is, is absolutely true. You know, eugenics will tell us, well, let's get rid of those old people. Um, it, there's, there's an idea of um, it doesn't matter what we do. And so it's, it's every man for himself philosophy. And then we get the corrective to that. We have to skip forward a good ways in the Book of Wisdom to get it, though. It's, Thus they reasoned, by that, but they were led astray, for their blind, wickedness blinded them, and they did not know the secret purposes of God, nor hope for the wages of holiness, nor discern the prize for blameless souls. For God created man for incorruption. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust is, dust is true, but the Spirit of God lives on, the Spirit that's breathed into mankind, and made him in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy... Death entered the world, and those who belong to this party experience it. <clears throat> it. It's a fascinating look at human nature apart from God. You know, we, we've all agreed, and in order to have a polite uh, and functioning society, we shouldn't um, do mean things, and there should be certain kinds of crimes and all that. But ultimately, there is no reckoning for these things. In the gospel, we see the opposite in some way of that. We see, we see the law applied in such a way that it devalues human life. And, and it's a, a constant battle, I think, is to, to work, walk the path of truth and grace. And it's one of the things that, that informs Judaism completely is, is God's grace and God's mercy and his faithfulness and his loving kindness. Because what they will say is if law, if, if the world had been constructed and uh, created on, on a law of strict justice, the world would have ceased to exist long, long, long ago. However, what it says is there's a mixture of grace as well as justice. Because an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth is not a way to live because that way everybody is maimed and blind. So it's important that we balance those two things. And here what we see in the gospel today is that Pharisees have gotten that out of balance, that their regard for human life has been reduced to keeping the law. Those who keep the law are worth living, but those who don't in any shape, form, or fashion, in the tiniest little thing, are, are to be persecuted. So here we get two different instances of that. On a Sabbath, when he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing him in their hands. Now, they could have theoretically plucked, but the rubbing in the hands to release the grain from the kernel is the problem, and it's work, and they're working on the Sabbath. And so what they're doing is they, they have built a fence around the law to not do work on the Sabbath, and, and they've defined it in these small, tiny little terms. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath? I mean, have you ever met somebody who, who that's what they do? If you've ever preached, I promise you, you have met that person. You have met the person that pulls apart every single word that you use in, in, a, in a sermon and accuses you of heresy because there was a statement there that on some weird level was heresy. I can remember when AMIA was first formed, I was for a period of time the uh, credentialing coordinator. 
And I had a guy call, call me one time, talk about wanting to come into, into AMIA, and he, I've forgotten what denomination he's from, which is probably just as well. And he named about six or seven different heresies that were, that were a big problem for him, and I had never heard of a single one of them. I'm sure he never came into AMIA because I had to ask him, what are these heresies you're talking about? Please define these for me. And I'm sure he thought, well, this guy just doesn't care. Therefore, the AMIA doesn't care about these things. Well, it, we, we can split hair so finely it's unbelievable. And that's what this guy was doing in my mind. <clears throat> like I said, these are heresies that only the people in his denomination were even aware of. So Jesus responds to this why do you do law? This thing's not lawful. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. Now he's already going down the road of offense for these people because he's comparing himself to David. Uh, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priests to eat. And he also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So David was on the run with his men. He was running from Saul, and he comes to Zadok the priest and says, do you have any food? And they said, the only thing we have is the bread of the presence, which was getting ready to be changed out. And so now the, the priest can eat it. Well, they ate it because there was no other um, bread there. So he's comparing himself to David, and then he goes a step further. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, who did you just say you were? We were already offended when you compared yourself with David. So then on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. I mean, you can just picture this man there with his hand laying limp at his side. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. You know, there are people who listen to your sermons that way when you preach, right? That All they want to do is hear this one thing that they can come at you with. They're, they miss the gospel because they're, they're looking at this other thing. It's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7 when he tells you to get the log out of your own eye to help get the speck out of your brother's eye. The, 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 your job is not to be the accuser of the brethren. It's nobody's job. I mean, there, there's gross heresies. For instance, I had a group of people call me from the church that we used to serve in uh, when their when they're, uh, priest preached about Jonah and said, I think this is just a story. It's not real. And they were really upset about that. Well, they had a right to be and they should have been. So it's, it's important that we get the difference between those two things, between the, the log and the speck. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or harm, to save life or destroy it? Well, the answer is, it, it's, it's okay to do good. It's okay to, um, to save life. Because you could do that. If you, if you had a horse that got stuck in a ditch, you could get the horse out on the Sabbath because it was preserving the horse's life and, and doing something good. And after looking around at them, he said, stretch out to your hand. And he did so, and the hand was restored. But they, the Pharisees, were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So we see two sides of the same coin, one in the wisdom literature that says it doesn't matter what you do. And the, uh, on, on the gospel side, what we see is, is that life is less important than law. And clearly, there's no truth in that. <clears throat> in Colossians, in the, the reading we have today is Colossians 1, 1 to 14, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So normal reading from Paul. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why? Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for all the saints. So they have faith in Christ and they, they have love for the saints, which is, well, 
pretty much exactly what John was talking about, that those two things have to go together. You can't just believe in Jesus but not love the brothers. Because, he says, the reason you do this is because the hope laid up for you in heaven. You understand the gospel message of eternal life. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and growing. So among yourselves, from the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth, as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So what Paul's saying is, is that I'm not the one who came and preached to you. It was my brother Epaphras, who is our beloved fellow servant. So Paul's writing to, church, to a church here that he has not visited. But he says is that from the beginning, from the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, you have believed these things and you have then gone forward in your faith to love those, the saints. He says he's a faithful, speaking of Epaphras here, he's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And it's made known to us your love in the Spirit. So I've heard what I needed to know from Epaphras. I've heard good things about you. He gave a good report of not only that you believed, but that you put belief into action. And so from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding to lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul says there are these two things that we pray for you. We want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We want you to know more and more. And and he's, he's not just speaking of book learning. He's also speaking of that which is imparted by the Holy Spirit that can only be taught by the Holy Spirit. Because remember, these people don't have a Bible. And then he says, and then that is to lead to a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. So those two things, he says, have to go together, knowing and living. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. So he's telling them it's not going to be easy. If you don't need endurance and patience, if things are easy, and so, but with joy. I don't want you just to endure and be patient. Mm -mm. No, I want you to do that with joy. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So those are the saints who have gone before. So he has qualified us. How has he qualified us? In Jesus, through our faith and our love for the the brothers. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he's transferred us from the dominion of darkness, from the world that's ruled by evil and lies and untruth, into the kingdom of his beloved Son, which is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of truth and grace. And, and he says, so you don't participate in the world systems. You don't participate in the world system any longer in the way you think and act. Either the world system as expressed in the first reading, which is eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Nothing I do in this life matters. And th- that's license. There's a difference between liberty and license. And so you know, on the other side, he says, don't participate in this legalism thing either that doesn't value life at all. In the same way, the other doesn't value life. It's two sides of the same coin. One doesn't value life because it doesn't think it has any meaning or purpose. And if you start talking about things like meaning and purpose in philosophy today, they laugh you off the stage. Those things don't matter. Those things don't matter at all. There's nothing transcendent to life 
It just is. It's chemically, it's chemicals and biology, and and some physics thrown in there. But that's it. And the the Pharisees say the only thing that matters is the law. The law is more important than people. Well, in Genesis two and one, we hear about the creation of mankind. There's no law. There's no law at all. God didn't raise law above people. If he did, Adam and Eve would have been the end. That would have been the end of the story. And so Paul says, don't think either one of those ways anymore. He he says, thinks through the lens of the cross. And the lens of the cross is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then you get forgiveness of sins and eternal life in that. Paul says, think through that lens. Don't think through the lens of law or license.